Hi everyone, welcome back to Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we can't stop and we won't stop being warriors fighting for justice. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. Last week, I introduced you to Brittany Bell, whose life was taken way too early, and I gave you a glimpse at the lack of investigation for the truth. This week, I discussed the only two interviews conducted by Kokomo Police Department, and you will get to hear how different their recollections are. Are you ready? Let's do this! week's episode that Brittany was living with a woman named Stacy at the time of her death. Stacy claims to have been homeless and Brittany was kind enough to let Stacy live with her for a while. Due to drug abuse, Stacy had her son taken away from her and he was living with Stacy's twin sister Casey and her husband Anthony at the time. Yes, the same Anthony that found Brittany Bell deceased and made the 911 call around 3.06 a.m. on Thursday, March 2nd, 2017. I have reached out to Stacy and have not heard back from her at this point. However, I did have a really nice conversation with her twin sister, Casey. Casey had only met Brittany once or twice and wasn't even aware that her sister was living with Brittany in March. Casey didn't know that her husband, Anthony, the one that found Brittany in the apartment, was having an affair with her identical twin sister, Stacy, at the time. And you guys, I'm very sorry to say that Anthony is no longer alive. On June 4th, 2020, he passed away due to a battle with cancer. Casey, I am so sorry for the betrayal you have endured. And I am so sorry for the loss of your husband. I am proud of you for speaking your truth, and I appreciate the time you gave me to chat. Casey was very open with me, and I truly believe that she wants justice for Brittany. She doesn't know what happened to Brittany that night. She just knows some rumors that she's heard, and really not too many rumors at that. Casey claims to not be into the drug scene or the same crowd as her twin sister, Stacy. In fact, Casey is the one that got Stacy arrested for drug use, and their stepdad is the one that brought the police to where Stacy was hiding out to arrest her 20 days after Brittany's death. Good for you, Casey and stepdad. Due to their responsible actions, Kokomo Police Department was finally able to get their first and only official interview with Stacy regarding Brittany's death. You guys, until March 22nd, Stacy had been hiding out at a dope house and would not go to the police station for an interview. Before Casey will agree to anything about her husband's involvement in Brittany's death, she wants proof. And honestly, I fully understand that. Her husband is no longer with us, and he cannot defend himself. One thing that came up in our conversation was that the main rumor going around is that Brittany overdosed on Spice. 
According to the American Addiction Centers, spice is a synthetic type of marijuana that is made of herbal mixtures sprayed with synthetic cannabinoids. The most commonly used spice can be detected in the human system, you guys, for up to 72 hours after use. However, these synthetic compounds are not traceable in the blood or urine with just one of the simple common DOT 5, 7, 9, or 10 panel drug tests, which makes it quite appealing to users. You guys, Brittany's comprehensive drug panel included test number 42130, which is specific for synthetic cannabinoids. The results show negative for the general synthetic cannabinoids line item and negative for all 40 of the additional synthetic cannabinoids tested using Brittany's specimen collected on March 2nd. Okay, I'm going to repeat myself to be very clear. Brittany Bell's toxicology report shows 4D, 4 0 40 negative results of all forms of synthetic cannabinoids in her specimen sample. Brittany did not overdose on spice or any other drug for that matter. You want to know what really tickles my fancy about this? Once Kokomo Police Department got these results, you guys, they did nothing. No further investigation, no re-interviewing, no additional interviewing for that matter, no reaching out to the family, no admitting they were wrong. You guys, nothing. Kokomo Police Department, if this was your child, would you just sit back and allow the local good old boys department to botch your child's death investigation? No way in hell, and you know it. If this was one of your children, you know damn well it would have been investigated to the fullest, and someone would be held accountable for your child's wrongful death. You guys, I have some amazing Kokomo, Indiana community members reaching out to me and giving me some of the inside scoop on the absolute disgustingness and dirtiness amongst this department. And as soon as I get proper confirmation, I will absolutely share all of it with you. Like always, I want to be sure to say that more than likely, there are some truly respectable and honorable police officers at Kokomo Police Department, and I am anxious to meet them one day. Okay, so now we have proven the most commonly known rumor of Brittany dying of a spice overdose to be false. How in the hell did Brittany Bell die? This mother of three incredible children, daughter to Donna and Donnell, sister to Donnell Jr., niece, cousin, and friend to so many, deserves justice. I was able to get the video recordings of the only two police interviews conducted regarding Brittany's death. 
Anthony was interviewed the same night that he found Brittany's deceased body. If the timestamp is correct, then he was in the interview room at Kokomo Police Department starting at 3.38 a.m. The first seven minutes and 36 seconds are of him sitting in the room by himself scrolling through his phone. Then at 3.46 a.m., Anthony's phone rings and he answers it to a girl saying, Hi, honey. Anthony replies with, what's up, baby? You guys, the woman on the other end of this call is not his wife, Casey. The woman on the other end asked if he found out anything, and he said, quote, this bitch was dead. The bitch Stacy was staying with, end quote. Anthony goes on to tell this girl that he knocked on the door and it was unlocked, so he went in and turned on the flashlight on his phone and found Brittany. Her face was purple, so he called 911. He said the dispatcher told him to put his face by her face to see if she was still breathing, and he did that to see if there was a chance of saving her. He found Brittany on her stomach, and the dispatcher told him to roll her over. And that's when he told them she was stiff and her arm was stuck in the air. There was blood coming out of her mouth. This is when he was directed to step back and wait outside. By the time he got out, the police were already at the apartment. Anthony goes on to tell this mysterious woman that for some reason knew something was going on, which is why she called him at 3.46 in the morning that Stacy had called him earlier that day saying, come pick me up, come on, come on, come on. She told him that Brittany took a lot of pills and she's not responding. Anthony said that when he came to get her, he was going to check on Brittany first to see if she was okay. He then says, but Stacy's a sneaky woman and she called him back and said that she wants to leave and when he gets there, she will run down to the car. You guys, Anthony then admits he let Stacy jump in the car and they took off. He claims to have texted Stacy later asking if she checked on Brittany and Stacy replied, no, I forgot. Anthony finally asked Stacy for Brittany's number so he could check on her. He went to her apartment and that's when he found her. The two of these not-so-sneaky lovebirds continued calling each other baby and talking about the night while he's sitting in the interview room at Kokomo Police Department. Anthony said that Stacy told him Brittany was taking a bunch of pills. They talked about someone named Michael that they were looking for too. They called each other baby some more and then hung up at 3.54 a.m. You guys, none of this conversation is alleged. And once I have permission to play parts of it or the entire conversation to you, I will. So after Anthony and one of his mistresses hung up, he sat alone in the interview room scrolling through his phone for another 15 minutes. Then in walks Detective Richard Betzinger with his half-assed care in the world and his cup of coffee in his left hand. You guys, when I say he was disheveled, I mean he was disheveled. Newsflash, Mr. Betzinger 
When you signed up to be a detective, you also signed up to be woken up at all hours of the night to investigate for the people that you chose to protect and serve. You guys, this guy looked like he rode his fucking scooter to the station and it was the first interview he'd ever conducted in his life. And that's being awfully kind of me. This is how it started. Quote, I think I'm awake now. I got called in to talk to you. I don't have a real clear picture of what's exactly going on. So let me start by getting your name. End quote. What the fuck, Betzinger? You are telling the guy that found a dead body that you are clueless in the situation. Didn't anyone tell you to fake that shit and make him think you are the smartest, brightest, and most kick-ass detective there is? Way to come out of the gate on that one. Uh, I'm probably still in my REM cycle. I haven't even had my first sip of coffee. I have no idea why I'm here. I have no clue who you are, but I will investigate the shit out of this death. It's fucking laughable, Kokomo. You guys, imagine if this was the detective on your child's death investigation. And get this. The detective quickly realized that he knew Anthony and they played football together. Um, can you say conflict of interest? Anthony sure got a lot less tense after that connection was made. Anthony states that he knows Brittany from Facebook and through his friend that's in jail. He then tells the detective that the reason he went to the apartment was because his girlfriend's sister was having a problem with drugs and spice and stayed with Brittany when she got out of jail. Stacy called Anthony to come pick her up and she wanted him to hurry. She said Brittany took a lot of pills and she's unresponsive. Anthony said he was going to check on Brittany, but Stacy said, hurry up, let's go. I can't deal with her acting like this. Stacy called Anthony back and said that Brittany was talking now, and when you get here, I'm coming straight out to the car. Anthony told the detective that when he got there, he got out of the car and was on his way up to the apartment, but Stacy was already on her way out. She was carrying a blanket and this and that. I shit you not. This asshat of a detective didn't stop him and say, hmm, what, what is this and that? Nope. He just sat there in a daze. I bet if it was your daughter that was found dead in her apartment, you'd be a hell of a lot more concerned, Mr. Betzinger. Am I right? You guys, Anthony's wife, Casey, called him at 4.15 a.m. while he was still in the interview room and wondered where the fuck he was. As would I if I rolled over and saw Dwayne was no longer in bed next to me. I'm going to be honest. Casey was a hell of a lot nicer to Anthony than I would have been in that situation. Then Anthony changed his story. He said without prompting, quote, When I got there, she came running out with her blanket and pillow. And when she got in the car, I asked if Brittany was okay. End quote. Stacy told him that Brittany was talking now and was talking about taking more pills and she was not going to be around it. Stacy told Anthony that she was going to talk to Brittany the next day about what's going on. Anthony wanted to go check on her at that time, but Stacy talked him into leaving. 
Anthony said this all happened around 2 o'clock in the afternoon on March 1st. This interview is the worst I've ever heard. I'm not joking. You guys, this asshat detective started joking around about Anthony's girl finding out about him being with her sister. Where's the professionalism? Anthony said he dropped Stacy off on Market Street at a house around 4 p.m. He then looked up the text conversation on his phone. He said at 2.46 p.m., Stacy asked if he was on his way yet. Then he scrolled through a few more messages between them and shared one at 7.04 p.m. where Stacy told Anthony she wanted pizza. Bitch, your roommate is dead, and it's very likely you know more about it, and you're texting people that you want pizza? At 9.31 p.m., Anthony asked if she'd spoken to Britt yet, and she said, no, I will call her. Stacy said there was no answer, and Anthony asked for her number to check on her at 9.44 p.m. What in the hell did you do from 9.44 p.m. when you said you'd check on Brittany until 2.26 a.m. when you decided to check on your nephew first and then check on Brittany? Wait a second. You told your friend that you called baby that you didn't check on your nephew. And now, Anthony, you're telling the detective Betzinger that you did check on him. So, Anthony goes on to tell the detective that he knocked on the door, then noticed it wasn't locked. He said that he noticed all the lights were on, hmm, and when he went in, it just didn't seem right. As he got towards the back, it got dark, and he turned on the flashlight on his phone, and that's when he found her, and she was purple. She was in the back far bedroom in the middle of the floor on her stomach. 911 told him to try to turn her over and her arm was stuck in place. He was informed to walk back out and that's when he met the police. He said 911 asked him to do CPR, but he couldn't do it. And honestly, you guys, I saw the pictures and she was clearly dead when he found her. This is when the interview goes even more askewed. Anthony gets really squirmy and has to explain why his wife would be mad that he was helping Stacy. Anthony tells Betzinger that his girl's identical twin sister, Stacy, was sending him naked pictures and she was smoking drugs at their house. The detective got Stacy's number and said he needed to get in touch with her, but she's not in any trouble. What the fuck? There is absolutely no need to announce that. How the fuck do you know she's not in any trouble? Did someone already tell you, Betzinger, that it was an overdose? Hey, Betzinger, why don't you do what you're sworn to do and protect and serve your community? How do you know Stacy is not in any trouble? And don't tell me your fingers were crossed or that it's a tactic of yours. My nine-year-old daughter would do a better job in an interview than you, in my opinion. At 4.37 a.m., this detective said, quote, Well, I have no more questions for you at this time, end quote. 
Are you fucking kidding me? He told Anthony to tell Stacy to make sure her pockets are empty when she comes up there and then she won't get in any trouble. This detective said that it's not their business to call CPS and that he will probably forget between now and then anyway. What? Yeah, you guys heard that right. He told Anthony to tell Stacy to make sure her pockets are empty when she comes up to the station and then she won't get in any trouble. He also said it's not their business to call CPS and that mm, he'll probably forget about it between now and then anyway. I'm pretty sure protecting children is 100% your business. How in the Sam hell is this guy a detective? I cannot wait to let you all hear this interview for yourselves. You guys, next up, Stacy, Brittany's roommate at the time. Remember, she's the girl that was homeless and Brittany so kindly offered her space as a place to hunker down for a little bit. Yeah, well, listen to the way Stacy allegedly repaid Brittany for her sincere kindness. You guys, it took 20 days for Kokomo Police Department to finally interview the only other person that lived in the same place that Brittany's deceased body was found. That's 20 days to get her story straight. That's 20 days to fabricate the truth. That's 20 days to talk about Brittany to others. What took you so long, Kokomo PD? Was Brittany's death not a priority to you? I bet if it was one of your daughters that was found dead, naked, from the ribs down, with one breast pulled out of her bra, you'd be like flies on poop interviewing every person in the area. Okay, so here's what Stacy had to say on March 22, 2012, at 2.11 in the afternoon. So apparently, Stacy missed a court date on the 20th, and she was crying because she couldn't believe that she did that. Then, you guys, this is how Detective Sean Hosby began the interview. Quote, when I was at the house, I told you I want to talk about Brittany. Uh, as far as I know, you've got nothing in that. But now that you're arrested, I have to read your rights to you. End quote. She then tells him that she doesn't have an address and she doesn't have a phone. It's broke. Stacy states that she was only staying there a few days and that she was in the apartment on March 1st until only around 11 a.m. or noon. Hold on, did you hear that? Yeah, Anthony told the detective that she was texting him at 2.46 p.m. from the apartment asking if he was on the way. That's not even close to 11 a.m. or noon that Stacy just stated. Back to Stacy. She stated that when she left the apartment that day, Brittany was talking, she was coherent, but she was angry. She gets like that when she takes her pills, and that's why I leave, Stacy said. Brittany was allegedly taking Kalatapin that was prescribed by her doctor after her baby had died. 
Stacy then stated that she called her brother-in-law, Anthony, and told him Brittany was violent and she wanted to leave. He came and picked her up, and she told Anthony that Brittany was angry and violent. Interestingly, Stacy then told the detective again that Brittany was coherent, and she'd done this to her many times, and she always left when Brittany took her pills. I say interesting because Stacy began the interview by saying she had only been staying with Brittany for a few days, and now she's saying that this happens many times at the apartment. The detective asked Stacy about telling Anthony earlier on the 1st that Brittany had passed out. To which Stacy replied, quote, No, I didn't say she had passed out. I said that she was coherent, that she was angry and pushing me. She pushed me in my TV. End quote. You guys listen to this. At the 7.25 minute mark, Stacy tells the detective that she needs to poop and that she needed to go to the bathroom at the house, but didn't. <laughs> I can finally and honestly say Stacy is full of shit. <laughs> the detective pretty much ignores her and continues with his questions. Good move, guy. I like your style. He read to her what Anthony said about their conversation, and when she told him Brittany was unresponsive and unconscious, and Stacy denied telling Anthony any of that. Stacy said that if that was true, then she would have called the police right away. She again said Brittany was just violent and angry. She said that she had no idea why Anthony would say that unless he misunderstood her. What the fuck, Stacy? How do you misunderstand something like that? You say you told Anthony that Brittany was violent and angry. Anthony said that you told him that Brittany was unresponsive and unconscious. Not even close, Pinocchio. Next, she tells the detective that she was already outside when Anthony came to pick her up. Stacy said that she told Anthony he could go check on Brittany, but that she was not going to go up there. Then she changed it to, quote, as soon as he got there, I got in the car and he asked if Brittany was okay. I said yes and wanted to get out of there. End quote. She adamantly denied what Anthony stated in his interview. When the detective asked how she thinks Brittany may have died, Stacy said the only drugs they do are spice and clonopin. She then said that they had not done spice that morning, and the only drug she took that day was her prescribed medication, Klonopin. Stacy said that Brittany took about four or five Klonopin that morning. And that is when the detective called it quits and said he was going to end the interview and she could use the bathroom at the jail. To which Stacy said, quote, oh, I don't know if I can make it all the way to the jail. You can search me, end quote. <laughs> and as they are about to walk out of the room, Stacy tells the detective that Brittany's brother is messaging her that she better watch her life and he has her scared to death. His response, quote, do you have a means to bond out of jail, end quote. She said, no, I don't. 
And this detective said, okay, there's not a bond right now anyway. (laughs) Phew, she'll be safe and sound in jail. They leave the interview room, and no joke, you guys, you can hear the detective say to somebody, quote, she's got a poop, can you hurry and get her to the jail? End quote. Fucking hilarious. At 2.25 p.m., they handcuff Stacy, and she is on her way to relief and safety. And that, you guys, concludes the only official interviews regarding Brittany Bell's death. But hold on. You won't believe this part. After reading this week's script to Brittany's mother, Donna, She told me that Kokomo Police Department told her and her husband that Anthony and Stacy's stories matched, and that's why they closed Brittany's case. Kokomo PD didn't ask for proof from either of these interviewees. Kokomo PD didn't take their phones to confirm times and messages and locations. Kokomo PD didn't do shit, in my opinion. How can this case be closed? How can this be the way detectives are trained to interview people? How can the boss of these two detectives watch these videos and give them a thumbs up? I know I say it all the time, and I will continue to say it all the time. What if this was your child's death investigation and you heard these bullshit, half-assed, in my opinion, interviews? Would you sit back, relax, and have confidence that Kokomo Police Department would solve the case? Doubtful. How can this kind of investigation be happening How can so many police departments get away with this kind of investigation? You guys, this is happening way too much. This is happening to way too many families. This is unacceptable, and we can't stop holding these ones that are sworn to protect and serve our communities accountable. With the help of all of you, we know that we can't stop and we won't stop being warriors fighting for justice. You guys, I've had many of you reach out to ask how you can help. One way is to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast if you enjoy listening. This is free and it will help get awareness to the public about the injustices happening to so many grieving families. Thank you so much for all of your support. Huge shout out to Donna Bell, Brittany's mother. You are a force to be reckoned with. Because of you, I am able to share your baby's story. Because of you, we are going to get justice for Brittany, her babies, and your family. I am honored to speak on your behalf and share the truth. It is absolutely disgusting what so many grieving families have to go through. What if this happened to your innocent child? What if your loved one's friends may have staged a crime scene? Would you stop fighting? Would you back down? Hell no. We can't stop and we won't stop fighting until we get answers.
You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. Only he does. It has been four years since Brittany was taken from all of us. It has been four years of obstacles and lies from people she trusted and from the police. It has been four years that no family should ever have to go through. Brittany, we can't stop. And we won't stop fighting for you and every other victim that deserves justice. You guys, please be sure to join our Facebook group, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, for more information, where Dwayne and I go live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow me on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn. A huge thank you to singer and songwriter Mr. Peace for allowing us the rights to use the song Where'd You Go, featuring our beloved Egypt Covington. We appreciate you. Can't wait for next week, you guys. Peyton.